Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here is Pastor Albert with today's word. Praise the Lord. The title that I have is The God of the Impossible. Some might be saying, Pastor, didn't you remember that this week is Christmas? Yes, hallelujah. We'll do our Christmas message next week. Amen. Because God did not move my heart or my spirit this week in that manner. We can talk about baby Jesus next week. Hallelujah. Amen. And if the spirit of God wants to change up, we ain't talking about baby Jesus next week. And we'll talk about something else. Glory to God. But uh, I would like to direct your attention to the Word of God this morning. Let's open up in the book of Jeremiah. We're going to read from Jeremiah chapter 32, two verses there. And then we're going to turn the page and go to Jeremiah 33. When you have it, say amen. We're going to begin at Jeremiah 32, verse 17. Ah, Lord God. I'm going to do that again. Ah, Lord God. Behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Glory to God. Let's go down to verse 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Let's go down now to Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. Lord woke me up the other day at 3.33. And I was like, I got you, Lord. I hear you loud and clear. I knew it. He says, call to me. And I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Glory to God. Let's read it all again, one all together. Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Saints of God, you may take your seats this morning. Hallelujah. Now, I'm an 80s kid. Praise God. All right? I'm an 80s kid. Back in the 80s, Wendy's had a commercial campaign. Some of y'all might have seen it. Where's the beef? Where's the beef? There was a woman in 1984 named Clara Peller who was launched into TV stardom with the famous catchphrase, where's the beef? Wendy's chain restaurants had a sales campaign stating that when you buy one of their burgers, you won't ever have to say, where's the beef? 
And the commercial had this big giant bun. And these three beautiful women <laughs> looking at this burger and they're saying, but what's going on? This doesn't look like the picture. This doesn't look like the advertisement. And then Clara Pella's character picks up the phone and goes, hey, where's the beef? Hey, where's the beef? It feels like we're being cheated. Well, I tell you, saints of God, today in many churches, we're not asking, where's the beef? But what we are wondering is, where's the power? Where's the power? Where is the power on the pulpits today? Where is the power of God in the churches today? Where is the power? I got to say this. Anyone who knows me knows I don't hold anything back. But we have churches now that won't let you in unless you're vaccinated. We have churches now won't let you through the door unless you're wearing a mask. We have churches that stop you. And if your temperature is two or three degrees, they say, please go home and watch it on TV. Where's the power? Have we lost our way? Oh, my God. Have we lost our way? There is power missing today from many pastors, churches who have capitulated to the current world pressure, world culture, societal ills, all in the name of conformity. We don't want to buck the system. We don't want to be difficult. And there are churches now that are not doing altar calls. If you want to get saved, they say, write a postcard and mail it to us and someone will call you. We are seeing no salvations in churches, no healings, no signs, no wonders. How about this? We're not even seeing tears. We're seeing a lot of this. Oh. 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 Have we forgotten the God of the impossible? There are ministers, and I tell you the truth, I've seen it with my own eyes. There are ministers that I've heard preach the gospel on fire, with Holy Ghost fire. And they weren't even a, a credentialed ministers yet, but they had the call of God on their life. And I've seen it with my own eyes. I've heard I, my, my whole body was shaking with the power of God as they declared the word. But then they said, I'm going to go to the next level, and I'm going to go to seminary. As Pastor Shadrach calls it, to cemetery. And they start out on fire for Jesus. And then they come out of school with the fire doused by doctrines of cessationism. Reformed theology, and even in many cases, Calvinism and all other types of doctrines. And what they do is they deny the power of God and say it doesn't exist anymore. They begin to contradict scripture, talking about doctrines of election and predestination. Yeah, I'm saying it because I ain't scared of nobody today. 
Praise God. The Lord called me with a mandate. I'm going in. If you are getting already uncomfortable because I already feel it, buckle in. Hallelujah. Buckle up. We're going in. This is, the, this is the house that you're in. We don't play that here. Hallelujah. This ain't that kind of party. Hallelujah. But they begin to talk about election and predestination. Many of these so-called pastors have all these degrees, but they have no temperature. Their church is like a funeral with a dead pastor speaking dead words. And everybody coming to look at the death of, of the God that they're talking about. A God that doesn't do anything anymore. A God that's not there. Dead church. Funeral church. Lifeless church. Many of them base their faith not in the wisdom of God, but in the wisdom of man. And they even call themselves after the man. Calvinist. What they have lost is the fingerprint of God. And it's sad for me to see this change. Cookie-cutter molded pastors, cookie-cutter molded churches, powerless. The Bible says that they have a form of godliness, 2 Timothy 3.5. They have a form of godliness but deny its power and from such people turn away. They all speak the same languages. They all share the same doctrines. Moreover, those that disagree with them are dragged in to these long-winded debates. Debating on scripture. All the while, there's zero power, zero transformation, zero moving forward. And the whole world sees it. They see us arguing amongst ourselves about scriptures, things that don't even matter. And they say to themselves, I don't want no part of that. You think I want to go to church for that? These pastors limit the God of the impossible to the God that used to do great things. Why would God stop being great? Why would God stop doing great things? I think it would be counterproductive in my humble opinion. What glory is there for God to stop doing great signs and wonders among his people? What glory would he get? Why would God stop doing impossible miracles? What benefit could there possibly be in that? I want to take you now. As we started this morning in the book of Jeremiah, we were talking about the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah in scripture is known or has the reputation of being the weeping prophet. God called him right from the womb. Listen to what it says in Jeremiah 1.5. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. How about that for predestination? Hallelujah. Before you were born, I sanctified you. That means he was already thinking of them and he sanctified them before he was born. That means in the womb. And then he says, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. 
God called him indeed. He told Jeremiah, yes, you will be a prophet to the nations. But guess what? They won't listen. God told him, you won't have a wife or any children all of your days. Your assignment will be to plow, to pull down, to rebuild and plant. Listen, he says, see, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. So in other words, God said, I'm going to use you to tear everything down and then you're going to help rebuild it all over again. In other words, like the military. You know, the military, they break down their cadets. They break down their soldiers and say, you're nothing. You're not even a human being. And then they remold them, reshape them, recraft them and make them a, a mean, lean, killing machine. Arr, arr, arr. Our sergeant pastor back there. God told Jeremiah, yes, you're going to suffer, but it's part of the job. Yes, you're going to be punished, but it's part of the job. You're going to tell my people the truth and you're going to warn them. And it's even going to cost you your freedom. But it's part of the job. No wonder why he was called the weeping prophet. Despite this burdensome, grim task, hallelujah, Jeremiah remained faithful to the call. He obeyed the Lord and he did what he was assigned to do. Why? Because Jeremiah knew God, hallelujah. He knew the God of the impossible and he also knew God's word in his life. Jeremiah lived in a tough time much like we do live in today. Different types of problems, yes, but the same tough times. Back then, Israel, his country was under attack. He was given a tough message from God to deliver to the people. Listen to the words that the Lord told him to tell the people. He said, this nation is going to fall to the enemy. You are going to be get uh, you're going to be taken captive. He had to deliver this message of defeat not only to the people but to the king. The king of his nation. And then he called upon his nation, turn away from your wickedness, turn away from your idolatry, turn away from your child sacrifices. Stop giving your children to Moloch. Stop burning and sacrificing your babies. Stop aborting children. Sounds like today, doesn't it? And then he says, God sent me to you to tell you that he's going to judge you. Yeah, it was that kind of message. Hallelujah. Needless to say, he found himself locked up. People don't like truth. People
People don't like a hard word. People don't like when you get into their Kool-Aid. People don't like when you read their email, their eternal mail. People don't like when you have words of knowledge and the Lord gives you something on the spot and they say, tell me what God has for me. Tell me the blessing. Tell me the favor. And then you say, no, I'm sorry. The Lord said, repent so that times of refreshing may come in the presence of... Ain't nobody got time for that. Don't you have to repent too? Aren't you a sinner too? Deflect, deflect. Haven't you told lies too? Haven't you looked at someone with lust in your heart too? I ain't the only guilty person up in here. Jeremiah chapter 20, we see him thrown in prison and he was put in stocks. So not only was he locked up, but he was literally put in a, in a torture device. However, in prison, he had a positive attitude. Jeremiah was confident that even in there, the Lord would deliver him. Jeremiah was also given guarantee of God's ability to deliver him. Jeremiah was promised answers to his prayer. Jeremiah knew the God of the impossible. Saints of the Most High God. How many in this room know the God of the impossible? Hallelujah. You too can have absolute confidence. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what the doctor's report says. I don't care how much money you need just to be broke. Because some of us are already in the red. We've already overspend. And you need like $283.16 just to be broke. Turn your neighbor and say, I hope he ain't talking about you. Hallelujah. Stop overspending in the name of Jesus. Get it together. Hallelujah. God is with you. God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Praise God. Jeremiah had confidence. Confidence. Praise God. Listen, this morning we started with the reading. Ah, Lord God. That means it's an interjection. It's not even a word. That word, ah, is an interjection. It's a phrase like, oh, my heart sings, oh. It's an interjection. Like, oh, like, ah, mmm, this is good, mmm. You know, when you have an interjection before a phrase, it puts a little emphasis on that phrase. And some of us go, oh, 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 oh. No, I'm saying, 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 no, I'm saying. Know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. Continue. Praise God. Hallelujah. Get it together. Praise God. Get your diction together in the name of Jesus. I know what you're saying. Finish the sentence. Praise God. This word, ah, ah. Listen, 
His feet are locked up. He's in prison. He's beaten. And instead of going, ah, he's going, ah, ah, Lord God. You understand what I'm saying? He knew something that the ones that beat him didn't know. Ah, Lord, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Even now, I'm locked down. My feet are wrapped up, but there's nothing too hard for you. You're the one that made all this. Ah, Lord God. Genesis 1. It proves that God could do anything. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Did you know that miracles are an easy thing for the God of the impossible? Miracles are easy, praise God. One look at the star-filled sky in heaven should convince you of the glory of God. Psalm 19 Verse 1, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Romans 1, 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Do you know what that means, people of God? For those that say there ain't no God, for those that say I don't believe in God, it doesn't matter what you believe. Your belief or lack thereof doesn't change the fact that God is seated on the throne, that God is the creator and the sustainer of life, and God is the giver of all things, the taker, hallelujah. He could do anything. Did you know that in hell there are no atheists? Because once they're in hell, the innate knowledge of God that was put in them on the day of their birth rises to the surface. And they say, what a great fool I was to believe in a God of my own making. To believe in a God that is not found in scripture. You see, people can pretend all they want that there is no God. And many of them do. They make for themselves a version of God and they become fools. Psalm 14, 1, it says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and have done abominable works. And there is none who do good. I was looking at livingwaters.com and there was a Ray Comfort ministering to a young homosexual man. And as he's going through the way of the master with him, and he's evangelizing to him, the young man gets to the point where he admits, yes, if I was judged on these Ten Commandments, that would make me guilty. And he says, well, does that concern you? He says, not really. Well, why not? Because I don't believe in hell. And I believe God, but I don't believe God of the Bible. I believe a different God. And of course, he said, well, you just broke uh, 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 the second commandment. You made yourself a God. A God that is okay with homosexuality. 
A God that is okay with a, a sexual immoral lifestyle. A God that is okay with lying, cheating, and stealing, and adultery, and, and blasphemy. That God, of course, he's okay with all those things. Because he's a God that's in your own head. A God of your own making. But the God of scripture, that God, the one and only God, the high standard, which is Jesus Christ's son, oh no. You'd be found guilty, my brother. You see, a lot of people say there's no proof that God exists. But think about it. A painting is proof that there was a painter. A building proves that there was a builder. A book proves that there was an author. And here the verses we just read, creation itself proves that there's a creator. When you have water, salt water, fresh water, you got food for salt water fish, food for fresh water fish, and so on. You got birds that eat seeds. You got trees that need fresh water that comes out from the sky on land. You've got mammals and you've got reptiles and you've got all kinds of different things birds with feathers and animals with fur. And then you got human beings that have a spirit, soul, and body that can reason and understand. You're telling me that all of this came because a planet crashed into each other? Really? Somebody say, spirit of dumb. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me tell you something. This world that we live in is getting crazy. People are seeking peace. Some are going to alternate religious places and they're trying to find nirvana. They're trying to find a, a namaste. Yo, let's go to the movies. Nah, I'm going to stay right here, man. All right, I'm getting corny. Praise God. Now, let's go to church, praise God. Let's get our praise on, hallelujah. Let's go to church all nice and pretty and everything, and we come back home, and your mascara running down, and you look like a raccoon, and your shirt is all tattered, and your collar's all out of whack, and your friends say, where did you go? I went to church. I went to the house of the living God. I got my praise on. Woo! I got lived for Jesus. I got turned up for Jesus. I got lived for Jesus. I break every stronghold to pieces. Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. You better ask somebody. If you don't know, you better ask somebody. Praise God. People are seeking after peace, but they're not going to the author of peace. The United Nations now has a symbol of peace outside the doors of their great building. This beach beast statue, they call it the guardian of international peace and security. It's made up of a jaguar and an eagle and it has bare claws. It's also made up of numerous iridescent and brilliant, brilliant 
colors. Some might say the LGBTQ, LMNP, QRSTYZ community. Unusual, you might say. Doesn't this beast resemble the beast that was described in the book of Revelation and in the book of Daniel in Scripture? This beast does resemble the beast of Revelation whose seat of power here is in the UN itself. This power, supposed power of the, of the devil, the evil one, it comes from the dragon Lucifer who has now revealed himself, listen, in all of his colors. This beast... While they say, oh, it's to honor the LGBTQ, LMNPQRSTYZ community, with all these iridescent colors are actually resemblant of Lucifer himself. With all the gemstones described in him on the day he was made. The UN is saying, we are making a home for the beast. Beast, you are welcome here. We are hosting you. We await your soon arrival. It's right in your face. For those that are wondering, write this down. Read it. Daniel 7, 4 through 7. And we know that Revelation and Daniel pattern themselves after each other. They are parallel. So, What's been said in Daniel is also repeated in Revelation. It's both prophetic. These are scriptural references to the supposed beast that you are looking at right now. The Bible is clear that when people say peace and safety, listen, the name of this beast is called the guardian of international, what? Peace and safety. Are you getting this? I mean, this is so simple. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They named it peace and safety. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 4, but concerning the times and season, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace, and safety then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they shall not escape but you brethren hallelujah hallelujah ah lord god hallelujah but you brethren are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Listen to this. Isaiah 57, 21. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Revelations 3.10. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. 
saints of God, I don't know how else I can tell you. I can stand on my head. I can run around the room. I could do jumping jacks, back flips. Uh, I, I, I could do whatever I could try to do to get your attention. But if you're not listening, you're in great danger. The day of the Lord is coming like a thief in the night. Jesus is coming. If you can't see what I'm telling you today, if you can't see and judge the sign of the times for yourself, then you're already dead. Dead man walking. So many. I ain't got no time for that. I'll get to God one of these days, but I I'll get around to it someday. We got round to it's in the back of the room. Take one and get it together. Hallelujah. You don't know what that is? Go in the back and you'll see it. But those in Christ, those that are redeemed, those that are blood brought, washed by the blood of the Lamb, glory to God. It's wonderful news. Redemption, glory to God. It reminds us of God's great power. God's uh, a beautiful gift of his son, Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection is a guaranteed new creation in us. He puts us with robes of righteousness. He clothes us in fine white linen. Glory to God. The Bible says that those that are in Christ are new creatures. What does that mean? Hallelujah. We pass from death to life. Those that are born once, they're going to die twice. But those that are born twice, you're going to die once. You know what that means? One time you die the physical death and then you're in glory with God forever and ever. But those that are only born once, born of the flesh, they will experience the death of the flesh, but they will also experience what the Bible calls the second death, which is an eternity away from God where there's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth where the fire is never quenched. A place of great torment. And you won't be able to blame no one but yourself. Therefore, if anyone, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Revelations 21, 5, Then he who sat on the throne, that's Jesus, hallelujah, said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true. And faithful. Jeremiah had confidence. He knew God. He knew that God called him to be a mouthpiece and he fret not his word, his interjection. Ah, Lord. Daniel 11:32. Those people who know their God, they will be strong and they will carry out great exploits. Listen to the question that the Lord asked, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Saints, we got to be diligent to remember this question daily, especially in the times that we live in. God wants you to know that he can handle all your problems, all your cares, all your needs. He has placed everything under your feet. Satan, that dragon of old, his place is under your feet. 
Glory to God. COVID-19 is under your feet. Omicron is under your feet. Glory to God. You name every disease, every plague, every pestilence. Cancer, you're under my feet. Lupus, you're under my feet. Schizophrenia, you're under my feet. I don't care what it is. It is under your feet. Power-hungry governors, you're under my feet. Speaking of which, January 5th, I'm hitting you guys with facts, praise God. This coming year, there's several bills on the books. They're going to be voted on. And if I know, based on history, they're going to vote on it at 3 or 4 in the morning when everybody's asleep. Under the cover of darkness with these dark laws. But let me just point a few of them out that are on the books and slated to be voted on. They're going to force COVID shots to every student in the country in order to attend school. They're going to force adult medical records to be in a state database. So there goes HIPAA right out the window. They're going to force COVID shots for all college students if you plan on getting a secondary uh, education. They want to force all flu shots for all children in order to attend preschool, daycare, or any type of school. They want to eliminate all religious exemptions starting January 5th. They also want to eliminate parental consent. When a child reaches 14 years old, they're saying that they could make their own decisions. They want to eliminate parental consent so that they could give STD shots to children of any age. The governor of New York wants to give herself absolute power. She wants to literally imprison any person that she deems a health risk. She wants to put without trial anyone she considers a threat to public health in prison. That means if she don't like what you're saying, Church, are you listening? If she don't like what you're saying, she could say, you're a danger to public health. I'm throwing you in prison without a trial. And that means you can't even lawyer up and defend yourself. Whatever happened to the Constitution of the United States of America and the right to freedom of religion, freedom of speech. They want to eliminate all unvaccinated people's access to health insurance. So in other words, if you don't take their vaccine, you're not allowed to have health insurance because you're too stupid to have health insurance. That's what they're saying. You're not conforming to our new world order. So therefore, you're not entitled to benefits. Are you getting what I'm saying? We want a new world order, and we're not going to let you Disrupt our plan. But ah, Lord God. The people wanted their king. They got their king. But I got my king. Hallelujah. 
My king sits on the throne. My king is above all kings. I ain't scared of you. I ain't worried about you. Do not worry, praise the Lord. The God of all flesh, the Lord of lords, he is your God. He is your king. Do not fret or frown. God, hallelujah. The word of the Lord, the question that we all have to think about, is there anything too hard for the Lord? This should bring to you unquestionable faith. Consider Mary when she saw Gabriel the angel. Listen, it says, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Let me ask you, saints of God, a few questions this morning. Have you put God's question to the test? Is there anything too hard for me? Have you put your problems to the Lord's question test? What are you worried about today that seems too strong, too hard for you to handle? What do you think you will have to go through all by yourself? Why is God allowing you to struggle right now? Some might say, maybe he has abandoned me. Maybe you're afraid of all your problems. Let me tell you the truth. Our lack of faith is going to steal our own peace of mind. Trust and relax. Trust God. Put your faith in God. Put your faith in the God of the impossible. Fear not. 365 times in scripture, the Bible says, do not fear. Praise God. God gave us the keys to the kingdom. He said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Why would God give us keys to the kingdom and then we're not allowed to use the keys? That don't make any sense. The devil is a lie. 1 Corinthians, listen. And I, this is Paul speaking, and I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Remember last week, Pastor Shadrach was talking about the uneducated men, unintelligent men. And they said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give unto thee. Rise and walk. Saints of God, 
It's not about the wisdom of man. It's not about the policies of our government. It's not about the, 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 the spike protein uh, viruses that are in the street. It's about the spirit of God and the power of God being unleashed upon his people in a time where there's a need for hope, where there's a need for peace, where there's a need for security. And you're not going to find it in a dragon beast in the UN. You're going to find it in the spirit of God. Be a servant of God. Galatians 1.10, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bond servant of God. The Lord said, call upon me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. In other words, what is he saying? Pray, 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 shift dimensions stop worrying stop worrying you know worry is a substitute for prayer there's so much counseling because people are not praying this is a call of God to a man that was in prison and he said call unto me and I will show you great things that you do not know God is not limited to where you are right now God is saying to you today, call upon me, call upon me, call upon me. My kids, when they were young, they used to like World Wrestling Federation, right? WWF. And there was a lot of tag team matches. And when someone was getting beat down and brutalized and he could barely stand, he would go to the corner and tap his friend. And his friend would jump over the rope with a somersault and would, and would land blast another dude and start slapping him, slapping him silly. God is saying, tap me in, tap me in, tap me in, tap me in, stop manifesting. Tap me in. Tap me in. You know how you tap them in? Jesus! Jesus! Call upon me. Tap me in. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. Let me give you an illustration. All right, don't worry. Hallelujah. Lord, have mercy. No, i kidding. <laughs> it's okay to be hungry, just don't be hangry. Hangry is a different, different thing. Hangry. God is preparing you, church, for the good stuff. Turn your neighbor and say, get ready for the good stuff. I want you to think about how a pizza is made. You know, when you go to a, a pizzeria and you watch a pizza being made, being prepared for what God has called you to do is like going to the pizzeria. The place where pizzas are made right in front of you on the spot. They start with a round ball of dough. They roll the dough with a pin. And then they pick up the dough and mash it. 
they pick it up and twirl it in the air. And then they slam it down. And they pick it up and pull it and mash it and throw it up in the air and twirl it around. And pick it up and throw it and mash it and stretch it and roll it and pick it up and throw it against the wall. And pick it up and catch it and spin it around and put it down. Bam! And then they pick it up again and throw it around. Bam! The process is over and over. Up and down it goes. And the dough goes through an entire transformation right before your eyes. It goes through all this hell so that you can enjoy eating it. But in the pizzeria, you don't ask for dough. You're waiting for the good stuff. The sauce goes on it the shredded mozzarella cheese and if you're like me you get the meat lovers jam you get the pepperoni the sausage the bacon the ham the ground beef you throw some buffalo chicken up in there you put some pernilicus maximus up in there mushroom bacon bits trimmings Oh, yeah. How could I forget? Anchovies. Nah, I don't, I don't like. All right, I just, I, just, I just busted it up. Y'all could keep the anchovies. But that's still not over. Then they take this pie and they put it in a blazing hot oven. And they burn it to death. They cook it in the furnace of affliction. And after all of this abuse, it comes out. And then he takes a rolling knife and hits it again and cuts it. And he turns it and he cuts it again. And then he turns it and cuts it again. And just one more time, he turns it and cuts it again. Cut with the word. Cut with the word. Cut with the word. In this same way, we are being prepared for the high calling of God. Sometimes our preparation has to start with mashing and pressing. And then it continues with hitting and pulling and stretching and twirling. And God has to throw us around a little bit so that we could be made Perfect, round, complete in him. And then he puts some good stuff on you, but you ain't done yet. Hallelujah. Then he throws you in the oven and starts to cook you. Until all the residue that used to be you is no more. And when you come out of that furnace, you're delicious. Woo, child. And the oil of the Holy Ghost is dripping. From the beard to the coat, all the way to the ground. Am I talking to somebody? 
might, we might be going to Frank's after church. I'm telling you. Hallelujah. The church after party, Frank's Pizzeria. Hallelujah. <laughs> be there or be square. Hallelujah. I should get a, a, a plug for free advertising. Praise God. Listen, the word says, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Matthew 18, 20, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. I'm going to end with this. There was a time in Jeremiah's life where he wanted to quit. I can't take it anymore. I want out. Enough. Stop twirling me around. I want off the roller coaster, as my wife had told me numerous times. I want off the ride. What do you think sustained him in those moments of weakness? In those moments where he wanted to throw in the towel? It can be summed up and the answer found in one verse of scripture. Jeremiah 20 verse 9. This is while he was in prison. He said, then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary of holding it back and I could not. Let me tell you something. When you're ready to throw in the towel, what's going to sustain you? Is the knowledge of the Holy One. Is God's word in you? What's in you? You see the Gatorade commercial with the athletes. You're drinking a liquid and they're now green and orange and red. Running around with like red and orange blood and orange sweat coming out of them and green sweat. And the word, the commercial is like, is it in you? Keep your Gatorade. Hallelujah. Is God's word in you? When you're sweating, is God's word in you? It should be in you. And that's what's going to sustain you in your moment of trial, in your moment of suffering. Jeremiah 23, 29, the word says, is not my word like a fire? And my word like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? How much time are you spending in God's word? How much time? Who's getting your quality? Is God getting your quality time? Or is your cell phone getting it? Is your TV getting it? Your Netflix and chill? How about your lover? Who's getting your quality time? Your job that's threatening to fire you? Are they getting your quality time? I know it's hard to hear, but God wants to be first in our life. Everything else second. In difficult times, his word is going to sustain you. It's going to give you power. It's going to give you courage to face trial, jail, sickness, even death. You shall not fear. You shall live and shall not die. Do you know our brothers and sisters are facing punishment and death every day, but they shall not Turn on the Lord. Listen to this. 
Last verse. It's going to set your course on fire right now. Listen, Jeremiah 5.14. If this ain't highlighted in your Bible, I, I tell you, you should highlight it, write it down, and tell everybody in your neighborhood. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, because you speak this word, behold, I will make my words in your mouth fire. And these people would, and it shall devour them. Did you hear that? Because you speak this word, behold, I will make my words in your mouth fire, and this people would, and it shall devour them. God's word in your mouth will consume your enemy. Now that is power. Like Elijah, who called fire from the sky to devour the sacrifice. That's power. God's word destroys every yoke of bondage. God's word destroys every stronghold. It breaks every prison chain. God's word destroys every enemy, every disease. It destroys even those that are saying peace and safety. This is to protect you and to protect others for your own good, for your own safety. In a few days, we're going to be finishing this year, but this new year is going to come with a whole new set of challenges. The church will suffer, but look up, saints of God. Our redemption draws near than it has ever been before. Speak up. Release God's word. Your labor is not in vain. Jesus is coming. Let the enemy think that he can rise up and run his last course of action. He already knows that he's a defeated foe. What can man do to me? Saints of God, what great things do you need today? He says, call upon me. What impossible things stand in your way today? Let him show you great and mighty things that you never knew. I challenge you not to forget the God of the impossible. God bless you, saints of the Most High God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you today.